So if you don't know, this book is part of an emotional health series. So last term we had a guy called Roger Brenton, um, a psychotherapist, I think, coming to speak to us. And he talked to us about building an emotionally healthy church with this lovely banner next to us. And we're focusing on kindness today. So I'm going to do a quick summary, in case you weren't here, about what he said. He said there are five practices for an emotionally healthy church. And he said that if we are disciplined and train ourselves well in these high practices, it can have a really positive impact on our emotional health. So today, the first one we're looking at is kindness. This is the idea that an emotionally healthy church finds enjoyment in giving to other people. Um, also called compassion, it's all about decentering ourselves and putting the focus onto other people. So... I decided to do a bit of research into this. I wanted to know how much being kind can actually help our emotional health. So, first thing I set myself a little kindness challenge. Don't know about you, but in a Finch household, Christmas can, as well as being really joyful, it can also be a little bit stressful. When you've got five Finches in the same house, it's a bit nightmare. So, this Christmas, knowing I'd be doing this talk, I decided to set myself a challenge. I said that my focus, as much as possible, would be to look to the interests of my family. That whenever I felt annoyed at somebody or the usual Christmas tensions arose, I would try to respond with kindness. It was amazing. It was literally the best Christmas I've had in years, and I'm not just saying that. Because instead of thinking about me and whether I was having a good time, my focus was outwards on other people and on their needs. And it was such a refreshing Christmas. The second bit of research I did, I wanted to look into the effects that kindness can have on you. Uh, Does it just give you a momentary boost if you give somebody a gift? Or in the long run, does it actually change anything at all? So, here's what I found. There are some that you probably could have guessed. Uh, Acts of kindness can give you a heightened sense of well-being and have been proved to decrease feelings of depression and loneliness, which is amazing. Um, It can have an effect on your physical health. Evidence shows uh, that people who focus on being kind have a stronger immune system and have reduced cancer activity. There's some super encouraging ones that I particularly find encouraging. Uh, If you're feeling a bit podge post-Christmas, being kind can actually give you better weight control. So, this could be your perfect Christmas or New Year diet plan. Uh, Lucy Huppler, somewhere around Rishi, pointed out it could just be that kind people keep giving their food away, which is possible. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and lastly, for those single people in the room, this could also be a fantastic strategy in the dating arena. As uh, Research in 37 different cultures show that kindness is the most desired trait. There you go. I'm going to give it a try uh, this year. (laughs) I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. So, I've uh, got some table talk questions for you to come up on the screen. Oh, it's a bit bit funny. I'll read them out to you. Uh, So, number one, to chat around your tables. When have you been moved by somebody else's kindness? And the second one, does being kind to others have a positive impact on you? Okay, hopefully you can figure out those. So chat on your tables. So have you been moved by somebody else's kindness? And does being kind have a positive impact on you? Cool.
Okay. So I hope you shared some good kindness stories. Hope you've been encouraged. Um, so I've given you some of the research into the effects of kindness, but now we're going to go a bit deeper into what the Bible says about it. So Lucy and Hannah are going to come and give us our first Bible reading. Imitating Christ's humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself as by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay, so here in this passage in Philippians, we're challenged to have the same mindset as Christ. So, we're going to look specifically at how he shows compassion. What does that look like? Again and again in the Gospels, it's written that Jesus has compassion and then he acts. I actually haven't really noticed it massively before doing this talk. It's a really common theme throughout the Gospels. It says Jesus has compassion and then he does something about it. Uh, There's actually a Greek word for compassion, which appears 12 times in the Bible. It only appears in the Gospels, and it's only used by Jesus, or about Jesus. And it's this word, which I can't say. (laughs) I'm going to give it a go, I've been practising all week. Okay, (laughs) shplagjim is mine. Thank you. Thank you. you. Okay, so it means to be moved to one's depths with compassion. It's actually got quite a funny literal translation. Literally, it means to be moved to the bowels. Definitely. Um, but really, it's, it's on about being moved to your depths with compassion. And this is the word used to describe Jesus' compassion and only Jesus's. Okay, it's the word which is used in the story of the prodigal son. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He was moved to his depths with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is the way that the Father responds to us. He's moved to his depths by his compassion and care for us. It's a completely undeserved compassion. It truly is amazing grace. And I think in our compassion for others, this has to be the first place that we start. We have to first understand his overwhelming and undeserved care for us. Because when we grasp that... We want others to know something of the compassion that we have so freely received. 
I've been reading Genesis recently, and often when we speak of the Old Testament, um, we sometimes struggle that God can appear angry or appear vengeful. But what I've been really struck by uh, is how much he cares for the individuals in the story, even though they often don't deserve it at all. And so I think this has to be our first point looking at Christ's example. God loves us, he cares for us, and has complete and deserved compassion for us. Not only should this affect the way that we act towards others, but actually, I'd say firstly, it has to affect the way that we act towards ourselves. Um, some of you will know I've spent every new year volunteering on a, on a youth camp, Christian youth camp. And this year, I was astounded by the amount of conversations I had with young people that just didn't know how to be kind to themselves. And it was having a major effect on their emotional health. Two different girls I talked to were so busy doing uh, that it was massively affecting them. They barely had an evening off a week, and they looked at me with surprise when I said they need to take more time out to look after themselves. The point of being kind is not that we burn out in the process. That's not what it's about. Sometimes the kindest thing that we can do for another person is to stop for a moment and take care of ourselves, because then we'll be in a better place to look out for others. Personally, I've spent last year being taught by God on this. Um, Last summer, I completely reached burnout, and God has been teaching me since that time how to better take care of myself, how to do things that I love and give me life. And now I'm pretty disciplined in making sure I get that time every week, and I know from doing that I'm better able to serve others. We believe in the God of the Sabbath. He gave us a day to rest a week. We believe in a God who loves us and cares for us. He has created us, and so we need to spend time making sure we're looking after the things that we've created. So, this is not a talk about doing more. This is about a lifestyle, not about more and more things to add to your overflowing diary. If you know that you're somebody who doesn't look after yourself yourself well or doesn't much self-care, that is your challenge to take away from today because you need to do that. Okay, let's look at some points where Jesus showed compassion towards the people. Um, Firstly, his compassion was practical. In Matthew 15, it says, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. He was very real about their actual physical need. Do you notice he didn't just pray for them and pray that they got food? He actually made sure they got food. And I think sometimes it can be something that we do. We just pray for people but don't actually act when there's an easy physical need there that we can provide. He knew what it was they needed. He didn't try and fob them off with something else. And he went straight to the cause of the problem. Okay, so firstly, it's practical. Um, another example I found really interesting, also in Matthew, he says he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What is Jesus' response to this? What to the, to the compassion he feels? What does he do? He calls his 12 disciples together. He gives them authority to heal, to drive out impure spirits, and he sends them out into the towns with this instruction. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Not only does he live out a life of compassion himself, but he empowers others to do so. We are not called to do all the work on our own. 
but to encourage one another and spur one another on in sharing the love of Christ. If there's some injustice in the world that you are passionate about and you want to see it changed, get a group of people together that are passionate about that too and make it happen. Rally for causes that stir up compassion within you and encourage others to stand up for it too. Our kindness and compassion is not something we're supposed to do just on our own. We should be working together. This is quite a hard one. Uh, Jesus was compassionate when his life was hard. When he hears about hearing about the death of John the Baptist, the crowds follow him. And what does he do? It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. That evening, he was led to feed over 5,000 people. When we're in a hard place and life is difficult, do not give up on kindness. We're encouraged more than once in the Bible not to tire of doing good. It's difficult, but we're not called to be kind just when we're in a good place or when life is easy. The most sacrificial kindness is when life is difficult. If you're struggling with emotional health, this could be a really practical thing to try out. To try and shift your focus onto a small kind action a day or a week. Just so even for a short time your focus is decentering from yourself and onto other people. So it could be a really practical thing to have a go at. Uh, it probably won't surprise you that the word for compassion, uh, meaning to be moved to one's depths, is used by Jesus in the story of the Good Samaritan. And Ellie's going to come up and read it for us. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, but when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. The compassion that Jesus expects us to have goes beyond all social boundaries and is sacrificial above and beyond what we'd normally expect. This man's care for a complete stranger took two days of his time. It cost him at least two days of his wages because a denarius was uh, the usual wage for a full day. And he gave him this form of transport. He cleaned up a naked stranger's wounds. Not only a stranger, but as the man was a Jew, somebody he probably despised. Uh, the first example which came to my head, I was trying to think of somebody that isn't liked in our society. I was like, if Donald Trump was lying naked on the street, wounded, his hairpiece had fallen out, and, uh, would I stick it back on for him? And uh, would I give him some help? I decided I probably would. Um, so this this guy he says a lot of stuff that many of us disagree with. Would we help him? But on a more serious note, uh, if somebody who had caused you 
personal pain and upset needed your help, would you be willing to help them over the course of two days, spend two full days' wages in the process of sorting things out for them, let them use your car and clean up any mess that they've made? I don't know about you, but I feel like I've got this level that I'm willing to go for somebody. It's kind of a certain amount of compassion that I feel is nice to give or appropriate for the situation. Uh, Jesus sees that level, just blows out of water completely. I think that's a big difference about kindness, just for the sake of being kind, or compassion when it's motivated by Jesus. Because Jesus' compassion is limitless. And so we're always going to be continually challenged by somebody whose kindness is greater and more sacrificial than we can really imagine. It could be really easy for you to go away from this talk and not really let it change you. Because it's always really nice to hear that Jesus is kind, he's compassionate, so should we be, but really, most of us are pretty kind anyway, aren't we? But the thing is, an encounter with Jesus' compassion changes your life. Most of the people who experienced his compassion in the Gospels ended up following him. And actually, that can be our hope through the acts of compassion that we give, that people will have an encounter with the living Jesus. This last week, I've actually, if I'm really honest, I've had a really hard week in terms of my work with young people. I've been heartbroken by what is going on in some of their lives. And I've gone to God with despair. Because there's certain situations and certain people that you know it would have to be something pretty miraculous to change things in their life. And there's situations that we can all, I'm sure, think of that are like that, where it seems impossible for things to massively, dramatically change for the better. But for me, it's probably been the best week that I could be writing this talk because I've been reading over and over again of how Jesus sees people in need, has compassion for them, and changes their lives. And so I know that Jesus sees these young people that I work with, and he has compassion on them. I can trust in that, and I can rely on that, and I can pray that they come to experience it for themselves, and they let it change their lives. We can absolutely have hope and trust in the compassion of our God and the amazing life-transforming effects, life-transforming effects it can have on people, not just physically, but spiritually, because we believe in somebody who can let, change lives for eternity. You know, before Christmas, we heard Miriam um, speaking uh, about how God wants to do that. You might remember, she talked about the immeasurably more verse, which should come up on the screen. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. God wants to use us to change lives. We can't only pray. We have to let God live through us, and we have to look to the example of Jesus who was practical, who empowered others, who was compassionate even when his life was hard, who was sacrificial and far beyond, uh, far beyond any society's expectations and beyond all society's boundaries. Do you know, you might never know the impact that your kindness may have on someone's life, but we can be hoping, praying and expecting Jesus to change lives through our acts of compassion.